Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. I hold in my hand my latest audio series, a five-hour audio series on CD. It's entitled The Judgment Seat of Christ. This is one of the most sobering studies I have ever done. It is a must-study for you. All along the way, I continue to tell you on our website, on our radio broadcast, when I speak in person traveling across America and around the world, that the rapture could happen at any moment. And I do believe that is the case. I believe before I even finish this time with you studying God's prophetic word as we take a look at the book, that the rapture could happen. You know what happens when that does take place? We stand face to face with Jesus Christ and then the judgment seat of Christ. All of us, the Bible tells us in Romans and 2 Corinthians, that the judgment seat of Christ is a place where all Christians will stand. It's not to determine whether we're saved or lost. That's determined before death or before the rapture. It's to determine the rewards we receive for our works. Thus, I think it is an essential for you to study about the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to study in just a few moments about the prophetic judgments. There are a number of judgments, and one of them, the judgment seat of Christ, is included. Now, we'll have, over the next weeks or so, a complete study of the judgment seat of Christ. May I suggest that uh, you get your copy of this? Well, I'll tell you how to do that in just a moment, but right now... Get your Bibles out and let's study about the prophetic judgments in the future. Let me look at the prophetic judgments to come. There are six of them in the future. Go with me first to John chapter 5. The Gospel of John chapter 5. I want to look at the presiding judge. The presiding judge. Who will be the judge in these six future prophetic judgments? You might remember John 5. He's just healed the man on the temple mount. He does it on the Sabbath. Well, this irritates the hypocrites, the Pharisees, and they come to him. Why could you do this on the Sabbath? And then in his comments, it seems that he's claiming to be God. And now they take him up. In fact, they're willing to kill him. Because he's claiming to be equal with God. And that's the scene. Look here in chapter 5, verse 19. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself. Wow. What a pronouncement by Jesus. But what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. Jesus Christ, and we had the time we could spend a great study looking from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 at the responsibilities God will give Jesus Christ. The last thing, he's going to give him dominion. Chapter 7 of Daniel, I will give you dominion over all of creation, a kingdom that shall never end. Forever it will be. By the way, what did God give the first Adam in the Garden of Eden? Dominion, chapter 1, verse 28 of Genesis. What does he give the second Adam? Dominion, where? The same spot. Evidence that that is indeed the Garden of Eden. I will give you that, what I delegate to you. Jesus 
His testimony. I can do nothing of myself. But look what God does. Verse 22. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. And so another responsibility that God delegates to Jesus is judgment. All the future judgments, Jesus will be the judge. If I had to entitle this, I I remember a song in my high school days entitled, Here Comes the Judge. (laughs) Now that's a frivolous thought, but from the song. And I don't want this to be a frivolous study, but I still feel like it's a title. Indeed, the one he has delegated to be the judge is coming. Here comes the judge. Not only has he been delegated that responsibility, Jesus Christ will execute it. Look at the last verse here. I want you to look at verse 27. And he hath given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. The presiding judge and all the judgments to come will be Jesus Christ. Let me look quickly with you at the prophetic judgments. We'll have to rush through this, but we'll look quickly. And as you're doing that, go back to Revelation chapter 19 with me. Revelation chapter 19, and I'll get into those judgments. Let me remind you that in the book of Leviticus chapter 23, God gives the Jewish people seven feasts. The seven Jewish feasts. Now, notice what I said. Those are Jewish feasts. They were given to the Jewish people, not Christians, to the Jewish people. There's the Feast of Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, Feast of First Fruits, Feast of Pentecost. There's the Feast of Trumpets. There's the Feast of Day of Atonement. And there is the Feast of Tabernacles. Those are the seven Jewish feasts. He tells them when they come into the land... They start that cycle every year. They go through the cycle of the seven Jewish feasts and observe them. In fact, what's the first thing they did when they crossed over the Jordan River and they went to Gilgal? They had a circumcision service first, and then they celebrated the feast of Passover. And that started the cycle of the Jewish feast. Jesus Christ will fulfill every one of those Jewish feasts. All of the feasts have a prophetic significance. He fulfills those feasts, listen please, to the Jewish people, not the Christian, to the Jewish people. And those feasts will be fulfilled. The first feast was Passover. By the way, he will fulfill them in the proper day sequences. Passover was the day that Jesus Christ was crucified 2,000 years ago. Three o'clock on Passover afternoon, he was crucified. He was buried on unleavened bread. Unleavened doesn't mean sin. It means separation. I don't know where we get the idea it means sin. Unleavened bread was, I mean, unleavened is talking about separating the Jewish people from the bondage until they go into the promised land. That's the reason for the seven days of unleavened bread. The third feast was first fruits. They were to bring the first fruits of the barley harvest. Jesus Christ resurrected on first fruits. Leviticus 23 says, first fruits will be the Sunday after the Sabbath, after the Passover. And so indeed, Christ was resurrected on first fruits. And then it says, you count seven Sabbaths 
until the next feast on the morrow after the seventh Sabbath, which is Sunday, Sabbath on Saturday, and that's Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit, as Jesus Christ had said, John 16, that he had to go so the Spirit of truth could come, the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. And so in proper day sequences, Jesus Christ fulfilled those first four Jewish feasts. Crucified on Passover, buried on unleavened bread, resurrected on first fruits, and the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. There are three feasts left. You have the Feast of Rosh Hashanah, or the Feast of Trumpets. That will be on the first day of the seventh Jewish month. Ten days later, on the tenth day of the seventh Jewish month, you have the second fall feast, which is Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. Five days after that, or four days actually, on the 15th day of the seventh month, you'll have the Feast of Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles. Let me tell you, Jesus Christ will fulfill those three feasts in the proper day sequences. It's a must because of him fulfilling the first four feasts. On Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, Jesus Christ comes. Not the rapture of the church, the second coming of Christ. These are not Christian feasts. They are Jewish feasts. And so he comes back to the earth on Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets. What does he say? Matthew 24, 31, to the angel, take your trumpet and blow it. The Feast of Trumpets. Call a solemn assembly. Gather in all the Jews from all corners of the heavens. He does that. Then there's 10 days. They call them the 10 awesome days. The Jews endeavor during those 10 days now in our world to try to make certain they're included in the book of life. They do that by taking a chicken. They cut his head off. They can't offer the sacrifices, shed the blood that way. So they cut the head off of a chicken and they stand there in the marketplace and wave it around, splattering blood over everything. Or they'll take a piece of bread or a stone and go to a body of water and cast it in the water. Saying, my sins are as far as the depths of the deepest sea. That's how they try to make certain they're in the book of life. Then Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. A 25-hour fast in Israel. I've never seen anything like it in the world. For 25 hours, the whole country shuts down. Nobody moves. The little kids ride their bikes in the main streets of Jerusalem because there's nothing there. Yom Kippur, a fast as they try to replicate what God's word tells them to do. There were four days then, and Sukkot. Sukkot comes from the Hebrew word sukkah, which means a thatched hut. That's how they lived when they traveled in the wilderness. And today, for seven days, they build this thatched hut, most of them on their patio of their home. And they go out there for their meals and for sleeping some at night and for fellowship with friends that come in. So those three feasts have to be fulfilled. On Rosh Hashanah, Feast of Trumpets, Jesus Christ comes back to the earth. Ten days, he rebuilds Jerusalem, builds the temple, the Battle of Armageddon takes place, goes to Petra, gathers in the Jews, brings them back. And on the 10th day of the month, Yom Kippur, he walks into the holy temple, the holy of holies. And in a day, the Jews are saved. Zechariah 3, 9. Hebrews says, chapter 9, once in the end of time, not like all the other high priests, once in the end of time, he walks into the temple on Yom Kippur. There will be four days, I'll tell you, that's for the judgment, 
And then he begins the millennial kingdom. Thank you so much for taking a moment to study the Word of God with us. You know, it is indeed sobering. Judgment is coming, not only for lost people, but for those of us who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There's no way we'll lose our salvation. That's an absolute. It's guaranteed by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But at the time of the rapture, we immediately stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ. That's why this is a very important study that I'm talking to you about. You've shared with me just a few moments of this study. You need to have your copy, your own personal copy of my latest audio series, The Judgment Seat of Christ. You can call our toll-free number. That's 877-674-3298. Or you can go to our website, prophecytoday.com, go to the shopping mall, and there make your purchase. The title is The Judgment Seat of Christ of this five-hour audio series on CD. I would suggest get it as soon as you possibly can and begin to study what's going to happen. See, what we do today will set up eternity for us in our service to Jesus Christ. And that is determined at the judgment seat of Christ. Thank you for taking these few moments with us. By the way, the rapture of the church, as we continue to understand by studying Bible prophecy, could happen at any moment. And then we do stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ. But uh, I'm kind of excited about that. I want to stand there, and I'm eager, as the Apostle Paul was, to do that which will give me good stead at the judgment seat of Christ in my service for him today. By the way, I said the rapture could happen in any moment. Well, that is the case. And having said that, there's really nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until.